Hey everyone, welcome to the Breaking Moment Podcast. My name is Rajin Bell, and I am a social worker who wants to give you hope, encourage you, and help you feel less alone in your healing journey. This podcast is dedicated to helping you heal, learn, and grow to become a better version of yourself. Through education and personal experience, I will discuss topics around mental health and spirituality. So let's get started on today's episode. Hey everyone, welcome to the first episode. Thank you guys for joining. This week's episode is called The First Steps. In this episode, we will be going over awareness, the importance of awareness and learning how to become aware. We will also talk about the stages of change and why change is important. And we'll be going over some steps for how we can create change and awareness in our everyday lives. But before we get started on that, I just wanna talk about why I wanted to create this podcast in the first place. So I just wanna take a minute and when you think of breaking, what, what comes to mind? I know for me, when I think of breaking, I might think of like glass breaking, um, a relationship, maybe someone breaking up. I might think of someone having like a breakdown or a moment that I think it kind of focuses more on like negative things, but I wanted to construct this podcast in a positive direction, the breaking moment. And some of you guys might be wondering, what is the breaking moment? I define the breaking moment as an interruption in life when the old routine or the old patterns are no longer working because a change needs to occur so the new you can develop. So this breaking moment is when you realize that something needs to change and because a new you is forming. It doesn't mean you forget about who you were. It's just about building this life with the new you and this podcast will help you to feel less alone in that journey, but also hopefully to give you some tools and steps on how to help you through that process. About two years ago, I had my own breaking moment. I had a lot of things going on and it was really confusing. It was scary. It was frustrating. It was, oh my goodness, I felt alone. I felt anxious. I felt so many emotions that I can't even explain. I just want this podcast to give you hope that even through the breaking moment, you know, you are building something that is beautiful. And I just want you to know that one, you're not alone, but also to encourage you and give you hope to keep pushing forward and hopefully give you some tools and steps that you can use along your journey. I just want you to know that change and anything that requires a new you is very scary, but it's for a reason. I think, you know, we grow for a reason and it's all about that process. So let's get started on what awareness is. Awareness is defined as knowledge and understanding that something is happening or exists. And I got this definition from the Merriam-Webster dictionary. So awareness creates change in our thoughts and change in our behavior. There is an acknowledgement of something. So in order to change a thing, we have to be aware of it. If your spouse is saying you need to change your behavior or 
you know, you need to change your spending habits or something, you know, about you that they think you should change. Obviously, if you're not even aware of it yourself, if you don't even know it exists, if you don't even think it's a problem, then you're not going to change it. So the whole thing with awareness is making it existent in our mind. It's an acknowledgement that something needs to change. You can be aware of your environment, the people around you, the things you do, the things that annoy you, your emotions, your feelings, your thoughts. So say you become aware of your feelings and you start noticing that around a specific time every day you feel extra tired or you feel a little bit more annoyed depending on what that is then you can change your behavior because you're aware that you're feeling those emotions and then you can figure out what you need to do to help you feel less irritated or tired maybe it's take a nap (laughs) maybe it's not hang around the people that irritate you maybe it's spending more time with yourself before you deal with people that irritate you it just all depends on what you're trying to change You know, we can change many things. We can change our jobs. We can change the people who we hang around. We can change our house. We can change who we are. We can change how we show up for others. You know, the list goes on to what we change. So you're not limited. You can change your eating habits. You can change your morning routine. Like it all just depends on what you need. And that's why, you know, this podcast is still built around, you know, your needs and what you need to change. But I just want to give you the steps and the knowledge that you need and the encouragement to help you with that process. So like I said, awareness is the first step. If you don't understand that, hmm, you know, my eating habits are really bad. I need to start eating healthier or I need to start working out more. If you're not even aware of that, but someone else tells you it and you don't even agree with them, then you're more likely not going to change. I mean, let's take this back. You know, when our parents would tell us to do things or we need to change this or change that, you know, especially if we were younger, we probably were like, no, we're not changing that because we had no awareness or acknowledgement that we needed to change anything. But the moment we sit with a thing and we realize we need to change it or we want to change it, then that's the difference. Awareness is the key to any change. Awareness is really the key to a lot of things. Some more examples, you could be aware of, you know, generational patterns in your family. I feel like I see, I hear about people having this a lot um, with creating the same patterns that their families had or their moms had or their dads had. And it's because we're not aware of it. When we become aware of it, then we can know what way to go or what way not to go. We can figure out what our triggers are. So now I'm going to talk about the stages of change. And I got this from the from www.verywellmind.com. There are six stages, pre-contemplation, contemplation, preparation, action, maintenance, and relapse. And as I go over each one, I'll explain what it is, but I'm also going to give you examples. Personally, I feel like I learn better when I have examples to put the terms with a real life experience or with experience in general. So I'm probably going to use be using myself for a lot of examples. Pre-contemplation. Pre-contemplation is when there is a denial and there's an ignorance of the problem, meaning someone says, hey, you need to fix this. And the person's like, no, I don't. There's nothing wrong with me. An example is if say someone's struggling with alcohol abuse 
and maybe the spouse is saying, hey, you're drinking a little more than usual or, you know, whatever they feel that the spouse is doing a little too much of. And if the person says, no, I'm not, I'm drinking the normal amount, I'm fine, then they more than likely won't change their behavior. Why? Because there's a denial and ignorance of the problem. There's no awareness that there's even a problem. Yes, they hear it from an outside factor, but there's no awareness personally that they need to change. Therefore, they're not going to change any behavior because there is, there's no acknowledgement or anything of the problem. So in contemplation, there is an ambivalence and there's conflicting emotions about the problem. So in this stage, people start to kind of weigh out, they start to think a little bit more about the problem. So like obviously pre-contemplation, there's like, no, there's nothing wrong with me. I'm good. Contemplation is like, you start thinking about it a little bit like, hmm, maybe they have a point. Maybe I do need to change this, but they're conflicted. You know why we're conflicted? Because humans, we love familiarity. We love when things are the same. So sometimes change is scary. Imagine if we're trying to change a behavior that we have had for 20 years or 30 years. Of course, we're going to be nervous because we're so used to the life with, you know, with that old behavior. So if you're even at that stage, it's part of the stages, you know, don't be discouraged. It's a part of this process. But yes, in contemplation, you know, they're very nervous, very uneasy about that change. And you're kind of just weighing out the pros and cons of the change. Like, uh, if I make this change, is it worth it? Or should I just stick to what I'm doing? So in preparation, you start preparing for the change. So they start making small changes to prepare for a larger change. And they would start collecting information about the change. So this is like where the person's more invested in the change. You start figuring out, "Mm, what are some small things I can do to get to the big change? What information can I gather? Like, for example, when I went to therapy and I, you know, I'm going to backtrack out a little bit. So when I went to therapy at first, I had a pre-contemplation stage where I said, absolutely not. I'm not going to therapy. I'm fine. I'll figure it out on my own. With being African-American, it's not talked about much. It's talked about a lot more now, but it's not talked. It wasn't talked about enough, especially when I started going and I was very fearful of what it meant. I was fearful of the unknown. I was just fearful because I just didn't know what to do. And I was very scared. So I had pre-contemplation where I said, I'm not doing it. Then I had contemplation. At the time, I was really struggling with anxiety, depression, my thoughts. It was just like, I was just going through this, the breaking moment where a lot of things were changing for me and I didn't know where to start. I was scared. It was new to me, but I knew I needed to change something and I knew something different was happening with me. So in the contemplation stage, I started to, you know, kind of weigh out the pros and cons of going to therapy to address my bigger problems. But I, you know, I still didn't make that change yet, but I was just weighing it out, but I was still very nervous. And then in preparation, I started making small steps towards the change, which was making that phone call to make an appointment for therapy so that I could work on the big stuff, which was, you know, dealing with my emotions, my thoughts, my anxiety, my depression. So yeah, my small changes were, you know, making the phone call and making the appointment and doing the like anxiety screening and a depression screening and just kind of talking about why you need to go. So a lot of that was very scary for me. And then in the action stage, that's when you start 
taking steps toward the behavior. You have direct action toward a goal. So like I said, my goal was helping to help me manage my emotions and feelings. And I started to obviously go to my sessions and break things down with my therapist about how I was feeling and talking about old stuff, old triggers, new triggers. And I was just going deep into it so that I could get to my goal, which was for me to better manage myself and my emotions and not let all those things like depression, anxiety affect my everyday life. And then maintenance. Maintenance is Avoiding the temptations of going to the old behavior is looking at how you can incorporate it in your everyday life, even when you're triggered, even when you want to go back to the old. And this one's tough. You know, I think they're all tough. They're all in their stages for a reason. But maintaining it, it's just realizing that you just got to do your best to implement these new behaviors. So some of the things that helped me was, you know, I started to get up and journal and get up and make my bed and get up and walk. So spending time with myself before I dealt with everything and everybody else. And yes, I still got triggered. Yes, I still want to go back to my old behaviors, which was just sleeping in and not dealing with it. But I realized that I I came up with these goals to help me to create a new behavior where I, you know, I feel better about myself, where I don't allow the anxiety and depression to overtake my days. So the thing about maintenance is trying to incorporate it in your everyday life. And that's tough when old behaviors might come up and triggers and relapse. I like that, you know, when I was looking up articles and you know, I've talked about this even with social work and class and stuff, some articles have relapse and some don't. So some have five stages of change and some have six stages of change. I like that they have relapse in some of the articles because I think this is an important part to look at. Relapse has to do with going back to the old behaviors. And I think it's important to add this because we are human beings, meaning we are going to make mistakes. We are going to mess up. And I just want you to know that wherever you are in your stages of change, whether you're just starting, whether you're at relapse, whether you're at maintenance, wherever you are, it's going to happen because we're human. And if it does, it's okay. Because I can say that when I was going through my stages of change and when I hit relapse, before I really understood the whole stages of change, I thought that when I went back to my old behaviors, I thought that I was a failure. I was very disappointed. I was very frustrated. And I just felt like I did everything for no reason. But I'm here to tell you that that is not the truth. It's obviously part of the stages for a reason. And it just lets you know that that's going to happen. And if it does, that's okay. It's about what you do next. So you can sit there and go back to your old behavior. So say you're on the journey of changing how much you drink. And you go back to your old amount of drinking or close to it. And then you're like, oh my God, I relapsed. Like, I'm so frustrated. Like, I messed up. No, it's about what you do after. Are you going to continue that cycle? Are you going to just say, oh, I messed up today. So then I'm going to do it tomorrow. And then I'm going to keep doing it to where you go back all the way to your old behavior. Or you realize you're aware. See, this is why awareness comes in the key. It doesn't only come in the key before you want to change, but it also come, It also plays a factor throughout the whole change process. Because if you're aware of what you wanted to change at the beginning and you're also aware of your old behaviors, once that old behavior comes back, you'll be aware that you are repeating that same behavior and then you'll be more likely to 
flip the switch, and then go back to the new behavior. So that's why awareness is important in all the steps. But I just want you to know relapse is a part of the journey. So don't give up. Please don't give up. It's okay. We are humans. Think about this. Like, depending on what you want to change, say you've been at a job for like 30 years and you're like, it's time to change this job, you know, and you don't know where to start. And you might have even, you might be at the pre-contemplation stage where you're like, I've been here for 30 years. Why would I want to change now? Or you might say, I don't know what a new job would feel like, look like, like, what am I going to do? And then, you know, you go through all the stages. Maybe your first step of preparing um, is looking at Indeed, creating a resume again, or updating your resume, applying to the job, going to the first interview. Your change would be different depending on what you're trying to change. Um, Maybe you want to go back to school, but, you know, no one else in your family went, and it's a big change for you. You always maybe settled at jobs that, you feel like you want to do more, you want to get your degree, just be patient with yourself no matter where you are at in your stages of change. So now I'm going to talk about some steps to help you with the process of awareness and change. The first step is pay attention to your feelings and emotions. Notice what are your triggers? What are the things that make you sad? What are the things that make you angry or irritated? By you being aware of these things and paying attention to these things, they might help you with your change. Say you want to change your attitude because you always feel irritated, but then you become aware that you're in the same environment that you grew up in. And when you grew up, you know, maybe you weren't, your feelings weren't validated or maybe the people around you never listened to you, or maybe they just got on your nerves, but you're surrounded with them every day. So maybe a change for you would be to change your environment, maybe to hang out with different people. So, you know, paying attention to your emotions and your feelings are a big part in awareness and change. According to the National Center for Complementary and Integrative Health, meditation is when you focus on mind and body integration And it is used to calm the mind and enhance overall well-being. It involves maintaining mental focus on a particular sensation, such as breathing, sound, a visual image, or mantra, which is repeated words or phrases. So the thing about meditation, you know, I feel like you hear of people do meditation differently. You see it differently on TV. It's talked about differently. So I really feel like you have to do what's best for you. I know you can go on YouTube and get some guided meditation and eventually find, you know, something that works with you. But that's the thing. It has to work for you. I don't recommend you just doing something that doesn't benefit you just because you want to meditate. I think the purpose of it is to help your overall being and calm your mind. So you have to focus and find something that is good for you. Like my meditation is when I get up, I'll take some deep breaths. I'll breathe in for four seconds and then release for six seconds and I'll just kind of focus on my breathing. And then depending on the day, sometimes I'll say some affirmations. Um, It all depends on what I need to hear that day, but I usually do breathing and affirmations, but that's what works for me. Your meditation could just be breathing and closing your eyes. It could be just putting a meditation on YouTube for five minutes and 
while you drive home from work. Like, you just have to do something that works for you. According to the National Center for Complementary and Integrated Health, mindfulness involves maintaining attention or awareness of the present moment without making judgments. It's about letting thoughts pass and other things go. I am a big, big, big advocate for mindfulness. We learned about this while I was in school. (laughs) Um, And it just really helps you to be in the present moment. I'm just such an advocate for encouraging people to be in the present moment because I don't think we realize how much time flies and how much we miss out on little things when we're not in the present moment. But mindfulness really helps with you paying attention to what's going on now. So like, for example, I'm looking at my screen, I'm looking at my microphone, I hear my voice talking, I feel excited. I feel like a little bit of wind hitting my fingers from the fan. So like, that's my present moment. And the big thing about present moment is without making judgment because depending on your present moment you might want to judge yourself about it like what if you're going through a really rough time and it's you know triggering you and it takes you back to an old time and then you you know you want to judge yourself for that time that you didn't like but it's all about not being judgmental because I think the more we're judgmental about ourselves the worse we'll feel about ourselves it's about just letting it pass When you look at the clouds, what do they do? They continue to move. No matter what, they move, right? I want you to think of the present moment as that, you know, or or your thoughts and your whatever is going on in that moment. You just, you know, you be there and realize that it's going to pass. The present moment really does help with, say, you're at the beach and you're really taking in the waves and you feel the breeze on your face and you're feeling the sand, you know, that helps you stay in that moment. And that's a good thing. I think we get caught up in the future. We get caught up in the future and we worry about the past. And if your mind is always worrying about the future and worried about the past and worry about the future and worry about the past, what about right now? What about right now? What about what's going on now? Maybe you're at your kid's soccer game, but you were literally worrying about seven assignments you got to do. Be there at your kid's soccer game. You know what I mean? It really helps you create those memories. Mindfulness really kind of goes with a lot of things in life. I added it for the change process, but also it can go with everything. Just You just have to be present because I remember I was a big person that always was worrying about what's next, what's next, what's next, what's next. And then also thinking about what I did before in the past. But then once I became mindful and focused on the present moment I started enjoying life because I started to focus on things and being grateful for things that were right in front of me so I really encourage you to practice mindfulness and then say if you're in the present moment and you keep noticing a pattern that you're feeling or a pattern that of things you don't like then boom you realize I need to change something so mindfulness can help you with giving you a peace of mind. Say you're at the beach and it's it's going all well. But even in those moments when we're being in the present moment and we don't like it, maybe that's our indicator that we become aware. And then once we become aware, we can make the change we want. So mindfulness works in every avenue you need it to. So I definitely encourage mindfulness. Journaling. The thing about journaling, because I when I thought about journaling, I thought you had to get a journal. Like you can use a notebook. You can use anything you want to write paper on. It doesn't have to be a journal doesn't have to say like I feel like when I think about journaling I think about like 
someone having like a diary and stuff. And it doesn't have to be like that. You can literally get a notebook and just write stuff down. But I'm going to give you guys a prompt for journaling. You know, you can freestyle it and do what you want. Like I encourage that. But I know for some that might just be starting off, it can be a little overwhelming as to what do you need to do. I know when I started journaling, I was like, what do I write? Like I, I needed a prompt. So my prompt I'm going to give you is I want you to do the day, the time, your feelings slash emotions, and your thoughts. The importance about these is the day and time can help you with catching patterns. So say, and I'm, just, I'm using me for example, I noticed that once I started journaling, I kind of always thought I was a morning person and I think I am like I'll get up and do what I need to do but I'm definitely not in always like the woo like happy like joyful mood because I'm just getting up. So I realized that mornings are a little bit tough for me. I kept feeling like I just was always irritated and I didn't know why and then I realized like when I wake up I just I hurry up and help my dog and then help my family and then I go to work and I'm just constantly doing for others which I love to do but then I was like hold on, what am I doing for myself? So even if I can wake up, even if I have to wake up a little earlier and I can spend the first 30 minutes or hour with me and then I noticed that I wasn't as irritated and I was able to show up better for my family. So instead of me getting up and then running to go take my dog out and then dealing with my family and doing this, I realized that mornings I needed a little bit more time with myself. So I'll get up, I'll make my bed, I'll journal, and then I will, you know, brush my teeth, all that good stuff, and then take my dog out and then deal with my family and then go to work. It helps me to show up differently for not only myself, but also my family. I'm not as irritated or agitated because I start my day with myself first. Myself and God. I, I always pray. I always try to pray in the mornings as well. But I use that. That's my new routine before I deal with everyone else. So that's why the day and the time is important. It can really help you catch patterns and different things like that. Your thoughts. I was listening to a podcast. It was a therapist speaking and she talked about a brain dump and that's where she puts all her thoughts. And I love that. So a brain dump is just like you dump everything down, everything you're thinking. Whether you're thinking about the three bills that are coming about to come out, you're thinking about the argument you have with your spouse, you're thinking about what you need to do next week, you're thinking about getting your nails done, you're thinking about how you're going to afford something, you're thinking about what your kid just said to you last night, like whatever you're thinking, write it down. And I say this because our brains hold so much information. And I don't know if you're like me, where you just feel like you have to do a million things every day. So when I am able to dump it down, it one helps me to release all that from my mind. But it also helps me to kind of like, look at things from a different perspective. Like sometimes I'll look at all the thoughts and all the things I want to do and all the things I'm worried about. And then I'm like, Regine, why are you even tripping off of that and that and that? Those things don't even matter. And then I kind of just have that realization with myself like, okay, like I'm worrying about too much. Let me just focus on these things. So I highly encourage a brain dump. You know, our brains are meant to hold information and all these things but sometimes it can be a lot and yes we can vent to our family and our friends but maybe someone's not available so I highly recommend a brain dump I do it every single day <laughs> and sometimes I like sometimes I just have pages and pages of <laughs> thoughts I'm thinking and stuff and it also will help with you know your patterns but also triggers you know and based off your triggers you can figure out what you need to change to become a better version of you Another step is to start making little steps toward the goal and find someone you trust to help hold you accountable. 
I say little steps because little steps equal big steps. Little steps still equal growth. So say say your step is to help yourself with anxiety and maybe something little is you always just feel like you have a million things to do. I know that's something I struggle with with anxiety. And one step I had added is to write it all down. That was a little step that I thought wouldn't really do anything, but in the long run, it has helped me. It has helped me to kind of navigate my thoughts and navigate my mind to not feel as overwhelmed. So make sure you take little steps. I want to emphasize that. You know, you can emphasize a message. I'm emphasizing that because little steps is still step. And once I knew I needed to change something or once something was going on that I didn't like and I wanted to change it, I just wanted it to be over tomorrow. But I'm here to tell you that no, that's not how it works. You have to take little steps and then think about it. If you take a little step and you're feeling comfortable, then that can lead to bigger steps. Maybe it was making that phone call. Maybe it was ending the relationship. Maybe it was moving out. Like whatever little thing you think doesn't matter, it matters. Little steps. Please be proud of your little steps. And I want you to find someone you trust to help hold you accountable because the thing about change, depending on what you're changing, maybe you're changing your friend group. Maybe you're changing where you live. Maybe you're changing a part of yourself that you didn't like when you were younger and you're working on it now, right? The thing about change is sometimes people don't like it, the people around you, and they might think you're being different and they might think you're being weird. We don't want someone that's going to bring us down, who's going to say, you're doing too much. We want someone that's going to respect our change, respect you know what we're trying to do with our lives. But that's why I said, try to find people you trust that will support you through the change because it's obviously scary and all you would want is support on your side. You don't want someone that's bringing you down saying, why are you changing? You're being different. Obviously, whatever you're changing, you believe in your heart, you need to do it for a reason. So I encourage you to talk to someone you trust, but also someone who can encourage you. Say you said, I want to start walking more. And then say you have a friend who says, hey, you told me you want to start walking more. Let's start with 10 minutes. You know, they're holding you accountable for that. Let's start with five minutes. Let's start with 10. Let's work our way up each week. That person who you want to talk to and who you trust might be a fa- your family member. It might be a friend. It could be a therapist. It all just depends on who you trust and who you believe that will help you through your journey. And lastly, the last step is to seek help from a professional. Like I mentioned a little earlier, I had to speak to a therapist to get to where I am today. And I'm proud to say that. If you would have asked me two and a half years or two to two and a half years ago when I was going through everything, um, I would have probably just ran away. (laughs) I would have like, if you would have said it, I would have been like, um, no, and just walked away like a thousand percent. I would have never agreed to go into a therapist just because of the stigma. And that's a whole nother podcast. Like I have a whole episode that we're going to talk about stigmas and mental health because I think we need to keep raising awareness for it because there are people out there that might be you that needs that help. And that's okay. Like, I am emphasizing that. It is okay. Yes, it's scary, especially if you're, like, the first person to go to therapy. Like, I know I was the first person to go to therapy in my entire household, and none of my friends went that I knew of. So I was like, oh, my gosh, something's wrong with me. I'm crazy. They're going to think I'm crazy. They're going to think I'm weird. Like, what am I even supposed to say to the therapist? Like, what do I share with the therapist? Something is going on with me. Like, this is it for me. This is the end of the world. Like, it sounds a little dramatic, but those were thoughts that are going through my head. So if that's you, it's it's okay, especially if it's not talked about. You know, like I said, I, there's a lot of stigma with mental health and therapy. And like I said, it's a lot better, but it's still stigma there. So I was very, very scared. So if you need to seek help, 
You know, a therapist is there to help you. They're not there to judge you. They're not there to make you do anything. It's all about you and what you want to do. They're just trying to direct you to the right path that you need. And I can say, I got that. That's what I needed. And I was able to do that. And I'm a lot better today because of that. And therapists specializes in different things. They can specialize, you know, in anxiety and depression, OCD, like whatever you need, you can find the right therapist for you. And if you're someone that's like, uh-uh, I already tried two therapists, I already tried a therapist, like I'm not doing that. I want you to think about like dating, right? Dating, sometimes you don't find the right person right away. Sometimes you have to keep trying because every therapist is not the same. Therefore, don't give up on that. If you need help, if you're saying, I'm so scared, I'm here to tell you, I get it. It's scary, but go for it. It could be life-changing for you. And if you're someone that's like, I already saw two therapists and they were terrible, I'm sorry to hear that, but I want you to know there's other therapists out there, so don't give up because you might need that. That might be what you need to get to your goal. So with that being said, I'm going to end today's episode, guys. It's been great, but before leaving, I want you to remember to be kind and to realize that change takes time and healing is a lifelong journey. So please be patient with yourself. I want you to please be patient with yourself. I said that twice for a reason. Be kind and be patient. You're going to hear me say that a lot in my episodes because I think it's that's what it's about. It's about, you know, you're creating something new. You're, you're doing something new. You're showing up differently and all that's scary. So you have to be kind and you have to be patient. It's not going to happen overnight. And, you know, you being here is the first step in creating the awareness and change to become a better version of yourself. I want you to know healing is not a linear path. That means it's not straight. It don't go straight up. It really doesn't. It's zigzag up diagonal. Like it's like, oh, like I'm moving my hands as I'm talking about it. It's like a whole bunch of ups and downs and okays and weird feelings. It's so much, but we're going to get through this together and I am very excited. And I just want you to know no matter where you are, never give up because I believe in you. If you have never heard someone say they believe in you, I believe in you. And I want you to know that we're in this together and I don't want you to give up. All right. I'll see you guys later. Thank you for listening to the Breaking Moment podcast. If this information was helpful, please share it with others. And if you enjoy listening, subscribe to the podcast so you can get the latest episodes. You can listen to the Breaking Moment podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast. Until then, I will see y'all next week.